This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss the visit of the Europa Conference League champions to Villa Park, Mr. Chris Budd, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome. Hello, mate. Are you okay? Hello. 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 <laughs> How are you, gentlemen? I'm very well. Thoroughly good afternoon at Villa Park, which made up for a pretty woeful sporting weekend, didn't it, with the Springboks beating England twice in 24 hours. Yes, the cricket, well, we don't care about the cricket. England (laughs) don't seem to care about the World Cup. Well, we've already won it in both formats, so we're already champions of the world. They're not interested in defending it. Uh, The rugby was, I I was getting into the rugby, I must admit, from the quarterfinals. uh, It's always nice to get through the quarterfinals, isn't it, It is, isn't it? Even when you've got a crap team, you should really be getting through the quarterfinals, as England proved. uh, Well, I thought England did very well against the Springboks, considering it was their first match. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> at least they, they gave a demonstration to Ireland how to uh, get through tournament rugby is like you just kick everything no, none of this fancy trying to score tries business and uh, trying to elicit the beautiful game just get the points on the board as Bud said get, keep that scoreboard uh, ticking ticking over yeah. ticking over mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I must admit, when I was watching the Irish uh, Kiwis game, I was just thinking, why did last 10 minutes just do some up and unders, throw some randomness into it, because the Kiwis are so well organised. And when you saw the Springboks against France the next day, they were doing exactly what I was preaching uh, the Irish should have done. Should, should be a good final, though, that Springboks New Zealand. Yeah, but it's one where I don't give a fuck. I've got no skin in the game. Uh, no, ditto. I hate, you know, not hate, but you know what I mean. It's they're like the nemesises of of all the uh, the home countries, really. Yeah, yeah. But uh, hey ho, let's talk about Europa Conference League champions playing the Europa Conference League champions elect of this season. <laughs> ah, yes. Let's do that. Uh, we'll get on to that shortly. Now, build it in something for the weekend as a real definer. I mean, you know, we played Brighton. They're going to be like the pot of teams, uh, you know, sixth to seventh to eighth. But, you know, we, we've been pretty good against Brighton at Villa Park in recent times. But against West Ham, we've been shite. Lost the last three, haven't won in the last five. Last time we beat them was like eight years ago. Under Sherwood. Team. Yeah, masterminded it. So against Wolves, that was another team that we've been struggling against and uh, you know a draw actually is not so bad away from home at the Molyneux considering uh, you've been beaten five out of the last six so this West Ham result we'll get onto it but uh, I am uh, very happy about it right we don't care what you've been up to so we'll get straight into the Villa news <laughs> International break highlights. Watkins Ritter scoring on his return for England against Australia in the 1 0 win. Martinez. Say again. He couldn't miss, to be fair. He was stood on the goal line and basically robbed a goal from Grealish. So, don't, good luck. Don't, don't no, bring him that's, down. That's good for him. Don't bring him down. Opportunism. That's him in the right place. Predatory. Strike that's his what, goal. That's what, you mm-hmm. want to, that's what you want. We won't talk about the one where he missed, he rolled it under the post. Shut up, Phil. Shh. 
<laughs> We're moving on. Martinez broke the Argentinian record of 622 minutes without conceding. What a record! Have they played that anybody is. yet? Are, are they? Have they been like the England <laughs> rugby team? I bet. I seem to remember him conceding a shitload of goals in that World Cup final. Yeah, don't forget <laughs> the, two, the two against Saudi Arabia in his first game as well. Yeah, with belters as well. <laughs> So I don't know where the 622 minutes has come from. We need to uh, fact check. Since they won the World Cup, isn't it? Yeah, we need to fact check who they've actually been playing. Oh, sorry, I'm at it now. I'm I'm dragging people down. (laughs) A couple of uh, movements. Most of them, I mean, they're expected. Obviously, we know we're in in Europe. So all Saturday games after the Thursday night games are moving to Sunday. The trip to Spurs has been confirmed as a 2 p.m. on the 25th. That's for Sky. And the Bournemouth game has been moved back to Sunday as expected. There should be another round of notifications as the festive period uh, solidifies. I think they might be wanting to get Villa on a bit more, I would uh, venture. Now we're potentially seen as the real deal i mean i'm yeah. sure i presume people are taking note that we've now won 11 games at villa park on the trot as we've mentioned in something for the weekend uh, we didn't go into any detail there probably we'll just skim through it now actually a uh, p- uh, partnership with japanese side visel kobe has added two v sports umbrella of clubs including uh, the portuguese side victoria who we know about who had some issues with uefa haven't we over them yeah, we got away with that, luckily, in the end. Who's ZFC? The Egyptian yeah, team. The, the Egyptian team, aren't they? Are they any good? No idea. <laughs> Vassil Kobe are top of, their, are top of the J-League, so they're pretty good. Yeah, usual relationship, you know, sharing of data. You've got the opportunity to take players uh, on each side on loan. But I think mainly it would probably be Villa more interested in the commercial side of pushing the Villa Premier League brand out in Japan. I mean, that'd be a great pre-season friendly, that one. I'm up for that. Yeah, but I think that's what it is more so than the actual playing side. I mean, Japan, you get some good players coming through. A lot of them end up uh, like the Bundesliga, but it's not like a conveyor belt, is it, of no talent that actually makes it in the Premier League. I mean, how many Japanese players really make it in the, the Premier League? You know, you're not using... Uh, You don't need a third hand, really, to count. The big news, which uh, is very much still big question marks about this, Saniola, a club have put out a statement basically saying it's an ongoing thing. Essentially, it's under investigation. The word in the the Italian press is he should be fined, while Newcastle's uh, Tonelli is the one who's in the... The hot water, isn't he? Yeah, there's three of them, isn't there? And obviously, Tonali was one of them. From what I, from what you read in the Italian press, that Zaniolo, they've all been gambling, which they shouldn't yeah. have been doing. Zaniolo has been doing sort of online, you know, poker and blackjack, I believe. But Tonali's in a lot more trouble. He was actually when he was at AC Milan, he was gambling on matches that he was involved yeah. in, which is a much more serious thing. We'll see how that pans out. Hopefully, uh, it will crystallise uh, a lot more this coming week. Villa women lost again. Well, they lost twice since we last spoke. They, they have a problem with stoppage time. I mean, they were 1-0 up against Arsenal going into uh, injury time after 90 minutes. Managed to lose that 2-1. Against Spurs, they were 1-0 up at the best got going into at the second half, but in injury time conceded really bad goal. I mean, it was basically an under-hip back pass to the goalkeeper. Literally just went straight to uh, a Spurs player who just chipped the keeper. And then Spurs just took over in the second half. So now they've lost their first four games. So Kenza Dali still hasn't returned. So a bit of a, let's say it's gone in exact opposite direction of uh, where they were hoping to go. They were very excited to see where the ceiling was this season. And never mind the ceiling, they're on the floor at the moment. Mm. They've got to turn it around. Yep. Well, that's stating the obvious, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> It has, it has I mean, been. Well, they don't have to. But <laughs> it has been a tough from start. Ex- to be from, yeah, from where the expectations were, they were thinking, "Oh, you know, we want to, we want to try and break into the big four. The, you know, it's almost well, like expectations. The goal, yeah. been the, that was the goal, and then they're miles off it. Sometimes, though, when you have expectations, there's a danger because there's an expectation becomes an expectation, and you and it becomes complacent, and you forget that you actually need to work extra hard from yeah. what you've been doing to make it. Uh, have any chance of a reality. NordVPN are supporting the My Old Man Said podcast by offering listeners a bumper deal where you can get an extra four months free on top of huge savings if you want 
to ensure the privacy of up to six devices while you are browsing, and also change your virtual location. NordVPN allows users to watch sporting events, films and TV shows that aren't available in their region by switching their location to a country where they can watch it. Perfect for those untelevised English football 3pm kickoffs, or in Villa's case, those Sunday 2pm kickoffs. To grab or exclusive discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash moms. You'll also get four months off for free, and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You'll find the link in the episode description notes. Thank you very much. All right, moving on. Three points. Point number one, uh, English football and Manchester United legend Sir Bobby Charlton passed away at the age of 86 this weekend. If you know anything about football, you'll know he uh, was part of the England World Cup winning team of 66. I think it's just just Jeff Hurst left now uh, of that team. Also won the European Cup with Manchester United, won the Ballon d'Or as well. He was England's uh, top scorer with 49 goals from 106 caps. I always remember that when I was younger, that just seemed like a, an outrageous number of goals yeah. that, you know, Lineker was, couldn't get to it. And then uh, Rooney and uh, Harry Kane overtook him. But Harry Kane, I mean, he's only scored about four real goals, hasn't he? <laughs> Most of them against Andorra, San Marino and Panama, I think. <laughs> but... Uh, Charlton, uh, it, w- it was a strange one uh, at Villa Park, wasn't it? Because they were doing the Israeli-Palestine thing. Yeah, it was meant to be a minute's silence, weren't they? And then they mentioned Bobby Charlton. It was almost like a bit of a bolt-on. Yeah. And everyone just started applauding him, and we never actually got to have the minute silence. So everybody started applauding straight away. Bobby Charlton came on the screen. The whole tent started singing, there's only one Bobby Charlton, which was a nice touch. It is especially considering, you know, it's very seldom you hear the whole 10 sing pro songs to Man United players. So it shows how such a high regard he's held in across the game. There is a respect uh, in terms of when there's a legend, there's a legend. I mean, you've got to, you got, yeah. you got to remember he's part of the England World Cup winning team. So. Villa put out a statement in terms of the uh, Israel and Gaza situation, but it's like, it's kind of one of them. You're just stating the obvious when you say things, unless you're on one of the sides, aren't you? So... It doesn't. I don't know why yeah. they they need to do that, and and then mix it in with Bobby Charlton as if it's like, uh, oh yeah, that'll do. We'll just we'll just uh, job a lot it. Yeah, it's a bit. It's like not very tasteful. Anyway, moving on. Point number two: ex Chelsea and Stoke player Alan Hudson asked the FA to delete his playing records. The former England footballer he played for England actually only twice in 1975. He's believed to be the first player to ever file such a request uh, in his letters to the FA uh, Hudson accused them of failing to support him uh, within a long struggle to devastating injuries permanent injuries inflicted by a hit and run driver back in 1997 this is one of the things like the heroes of uh, yesteryear it, it's like poles apart now to the money that people have now playing football I mean, Hudson actually claimed his last straw with the FA was actually Jack Grealish not being given enough time in the Euros by uh, Gareth Southgate, arguing it was similar to how highly gifted players like himself were ignored, hence the uh, two caps. Hudson said, I don't want anything to remain in the FA statistics to remind me of the demoralising and very depressing way I was passed over for all but two England matches. Just delete me from the records of the earth, please. (laughs) Point number three. Is uh, the opposite side of the coin where people don't want uh, somebody to be forgotten. Two Leeds fans made the journey to South America to give ex-boss Bielsa a new bucket. If you're not familiar with uh, Bielsa and his time at Leeds, he was well known for sitting on the touchline on a bucket while uh, the game was taking place. Kaiser Chiefs bassist Simon Ricks packed up a bucket and made a 7,000 mile journey from England to Uruguay with fellow Leeds fan James Rowlands. They attended the match uh, between Uruguay and Brazil, which uh, Uruguay ended up winning. I think it's the first victory in two decades, wasn't it, of Uruguay and Brazil. The following day, the duo then finally delivered the bucket personally to Bielsa at the team's training facility. The manager will, however, have to wait to use the bucket during an official game. (laughs) There's another international break, isn't there, in November? Play Argentina soon. Ah, right. Well, maybe uh, the lucky bucket, (laughs) where they finally, yeah. 
pierced the uh, the Martinez net. I think that's just a wee, a wee bit sad. I mean, it's like it's like an ex that you dumped and then you're you're crawling back to them with a the bucket and let him go. Let the, the man's bettered himself from Leeds. He's went to Uruguay. Let him go. Right, let's get into this clash of the Europa Conference League champions of last season and hopefully the Europa Conference League champions of this season. We've already said uh, we've, we we can't bang on enough about how badly Villa have been against West Ham over the years. First time, actually, speaking of Europe, that Villa and West Ham have been in Europe at the same time since the 75-76 season. That's a good stat. Yeah, in terms of the lineup, uh, Zaniola in for Carlos. I think it was a toss-up between him and Bailey to start, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, made, he did well, actually, Zaniola. John Duran missing. Yeah, not even on the bench, which was a bit of a strange one. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to... Nothing's really finite has come from this, but, you know, people are saying, well, he's deleted all uh, acknowledgement of Aston Villa on his social media, and they're starting to uh, spin out a bit. I mean, he's still a teenager, so it might just be a tantrum. Yeah, it's drop. So we'll see if he features against Alkmaar. But this was a proper test, and I think West Ham have got a decent team. You know, you kind of look through they it. They have. They've got a little bit of everything in there as well. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've spoken about Bowen before. How I when I keep referring when I watched him for Hull against the Baggies, and he was just like this one-footed tryhard. But I was I was impressed with him actually watching he's him a good uh, with fresh mm-hmm. eyes. Foot now as well. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's tenacious. That's uh, and he's got a few yeah, tricks as well. He's, he doesn't give up. Yep. Personnel wise, West Ham were probably a team that should have had all the personnel in their squad to, to actually do Villa damage. I mean, you're thinking Mikel Antonio, you know, PSE big, you know, against. Paul Torres. Yeah, just aim him at Torres. Yeah, yeah you've got you Su- Su- Suchek in the middle of the park as well, up against Louise and Kamara, who's, he's, you know, he, he certainly towers above them in stature. Yeah. But and then a few seasons ago, the the right back, Kufal, he, you know, he marked Grealish completely out of the game at Villa Park, I remember. Mm-hmm. And Ward Prowse, who's always had a, who's tended to have a good record when he was at Southampton, especially at Villa Park. Yeah, and when you consider there's a, they've got a few lumps in there, having Ward Prowse, there's always danger. Well, he's even you now, even though they lost the game, and you know, his, his set piece delivery throughout was. We haven't got to that bit yet. <laughs> but in terms of the first real moment of danger, was the first warning that, right, this West Ham team's come here to get something from it as they normally do. And actually, it was a brilliant save from, was it from Bowen in the end? He should have scored, really. It's a great save, though, from Martinez. Was yeah. it Bowen who was... I think it was Bowen, yeah. ...hovering yeah. around uh, when the ball came out? Yeah, it was like pulled back, wasn't it, from an yeah, offside position? Yeah, point blank range. You think it's a goal. Martinez saves it, but then it gets waved off for offside anyway. But still, I, you have to mention that because it was a great save, and uh, it's good for keepers to get something in like that early doors to get them into the game. But then Watkins had a sharpener and perhaps should have done oh, better. Oh, he did. Oof. Yep. There was a stat going around through the week. I think the 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 athletic put it out where he Watkins had assisted four goals. Sorry, he'd scored four goals and assisted four goals so far this season, and, and they had him third in the table um, behind uh, Salah and Haaland, I think. But yeah. they didn't mention the big chance percentage missed. So basically, Watkins is scoring scoring one big chance out of eight, where, whereas the percentage of everybody else was a lot higher. So you, you'd have to put that down as one out of nine. Then, oh. Mm, it was a big chance. I mean, I mean, our our approach play in the first, well, first half in general, I thought we were very, very good going forward. But our approach play was just so crisp, and it's a, and it's a lovely ball into him by Diaby, lovely little pass, and you think you just got to bury it. Yeah. He sort of flashes at it. I don't know. It was a bit of a snapshot. Whereas actually, if he just takes his time, he can roll it past the keeper. It's a very easy finish. He sort of got a bit of a rush of blood to the head. And then there was a great. You're kind of watching it because it's obviously from distance. When Louise, the ball gets pulled back to him, and he and he has a shot, and you're looking like from behind. Uh, we're in the hole, and you're thinking, oh, this is going in the top hand corner. It's like perfect. It's amazing save mm-hmm. from Ariola, isn't it? And the keeper, fair play. I mean. It's actually, it's not a Hollywood save. He has to really shift it and he gets it's it. It's almost past him, isn't it? Yeah. And you sort of see the replay and even the Villa fans are going, fucking hell, fair yeah, play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in, the, in the ground, the, you go, well, you know, fair play, son. I'd said to you at half time, this is a different game from the Zrinski game where you, you create lots of chances, but, you know, they're going straight at the keeper. They're a bit half fast. This was like, we were sharp. And, but they were, were still dangerous. They were dangerous, but we were sharp, and the chances we were creating were great. But it, it, you know, it wasn't a case of well, we're, we're going to regret this or whatever. The game was like an interesting contest, and it was uh, basically two teams having a look at each other. 
They were. Sort of probably two very different styles. I think Villa were very much in control for long periods of possession. West Ham were trying to play on the break. But with the players they've got, they can be effective. And But I was really impressed with some of the Villa's sort of, you know, phases of play. I was really impressed with some of Zaniolo's hold-up play and him sort of breaking from midfield. It was just a lot of the time, certainly before the goal, it was that sort of final final pass cross etc just wasn't quite there but then when the, when the the goal finally came it was a really good move I was having this internal debate is Saniola the new Milosevic <laughs> ouch <laughs> because you know when he's got the ball he's good with the ball he's strong you, you can't get it off him and he's it know, sticks te- doesn't it he's technically good but he still hasn't delivered yet and then I had that thought and then literally a minute later he, he, he kind of balloons that shot into the middle of the Wait, north stand and yeah, he's like, well, oh, in the upper tier didn't he's he thinking, you know <laughs> shit I might be onto something here <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned any more of those and Milosevic but no, he had he did have he had some lovely touches, didn't he? To be fair, that's what I'm saying. Milosevic did as well, but yeah. he obviously his, sh- his shooting wasn't on until uh, until he got to a cup final. <laughs> until he got to the cup final, but you're kind of waiting for Zaniola to have his first big moment, really. And I think that'll be a weight lifted for him because all of his approach plays great. Yeah, you feel like you've got a solid eleven when he's in there. It's not as if oh, I can't wait till Ramsey gets back. It, it's, it doesn't really matter. It's it's like somebody else who's good. It gives you uh, a, you know a solid eleven. We, all of a sudden, like you've, got you've got options, a squad basically, haven't yeah, you? You've got options yeah. and a rotation. Yeah. And then, of course, the goal comes and it's another you know another really good move. And Louise on the score sheet again, and Watkins yeah. with another assist. It's a exactly. another really well well made goal. So after slagging Watkins off for his big chance missed, he added another <laughs> one in the, in the plus column for his um, an assist, yep. and it was a good assist as well. He's, he's a man, he's a yin and yang man, isn't he? He is very much so. <laughs> yeah, but it's a really well, really well made, well, really set up, well set up goal, and a really good finish from Louise who, around the penalty area. You do fancy light deflection though, doesn't it? The goalie gets a hand to it, doesn't he? Well, it takes a slight, slight deflection before that because I think it's going mm-hmm. a bit more at him, and uh, it just takes him, takes it away from him a little bit. Plus, he hits it early as well; that helps. Yeah, but we deserved it. You know, we deserved the lead, and you thought at that point, right, go on and push, and there's a second to be had here before half time, which. Yeah, he felt good. I mean, this is a pro- you know, it's a proper. We were, at that point, we were playing. We were playing very well. Yeah, you're not celebrating. You're going to win this by any stretch of the imagination. But you're thinking this. This is good. We, we've come to the party, and uh, we've got a great chance here. And already, I was thinking this is the best we've played against West Ham for a long time. Yep, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Just towards the end of the first half, there was the, the, the strange incident where ball came in from a corner and came out to the edge of the box and West Ham player took a shot and Konza charged out to meet it and it, it struck him in the hand just as he, he went with his feet first and, and a slide tackle and hit him in the hand and then VAR started checking it even though it's at least, you know, it's a good metre outside the yeah, box. Yeah, it was weird because they were setting up for that free kick and John McGinn was lying down behind the wall and, you know, we were waiting for this free kick and then just as you're expecting Ward Prowse to begin to take it, VAR popped up and saying check in for a penalty, Conza. I think there was three VAR versus Conza moments yeah. in this game. <laughs> and then and meanwhile, while that's going on, Ward-Prowse keeps rolling the ball further and further back. Yeah. Where and, it should have been. And there's a moment where Martinez is talking to the referee and it, it seems to drag on and drag on. It's like, come on, ref, what are you doing? But I think the ref was all right in the end, didn't he, in terms of... Because Ward-Prowse, they set the wall up and he just basically wanted to put it down two yards to the left or right of where it was. And then, you know, would Martinez then have a chance to readjust his wall? There was a bit of kidology going on there. Ward-Prowse still managed to take it back a good bit to get a, you know, more chance for it to dip over the wall. Because if you're checking a penalty for VAR, you know it should be on the line of the penalty yeah. area that's what should be taken but he's, it's, it's nearly level with the outside of the D on the penalty yeah, area nearly on the, in between the halfway line and uh, the <laughs> yeah. 18 yard box it's virtually a goal kick to be honest there's one moment I think I mentioned it to you Chris at half time where, where uh, West Ham were attacking you know they turned it over dispossessed them and then Kamara had the ball and he was kind of running out with it, it got to the halfway line and a West Ham player could have just run in. I mean, any other level of football, you'd, you'd just he would go in at, at Kamara because Kamara didn't really see him. He was coming from the blind side. But the West Ham player just ran past him just to get into position rather than attack Kamara here and there. So you can see there's that practical David Moyes organisation where it's more important to get in to the pre-described formation than actually, uh, well, you know, try to pick Kamara's pocket on the halfway line and, you know, you're, you're back at it again. I actually thought in midfield, as we've done a lot of times, especially at home this season, we won that battle resoundingly. I, th- I thought West Ham were wide open in the middle of the yeah. park. I thought Kamara and Louise just dominated. Um, you know, Ward-Prowse, I'll always give him credit for his 
his set piece delivery. But I, I remember thinking the same at Southampton. That I just don't think he's a number six. You've got to play him further forward where he can hurt teams because he doesn't really run the game for you. And he's not a ball winning sort of deep lying midfielder. It's just a strange role that he plays. He's kind of ineffective yeah, I, where he plays. I think they're just thinking, well, he, he can deliver a pass and he's got rangy yeah, passing he's got as range. well. So they think he can be a bit of a quarterback, but I, I don't think he, he's not that dynamic, is he? No, not at all. And our, our three were just on top of him. Yeah. yeah, they were on top of him. I've seen McGinn was sort of dominant, especially in the first half. But but you know, sort of by the end of the first half, you're kind of glad to get in at half time. And Villa had just taken their foot off the gas that last five minutes. And there was a couple of little sloppy passes from a couple of people. You just thought, just regroup, come out, and hopefully have another have another crack at them in the second half. And of course, we did. You know, we started the second half kind of as we you know carried on where we left off from the first half. We played really well. To be penalty came from nowhere, didn't it? It was yeah. was it one of yeah. their players playing it back? Yeah, Paqueta. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of, a lot of buzz about him before the match. He was, you know, the better of the Brazilian midfielders in the show, and he, he clearly wasn't. Um, he, pl- wasn't he even, played. Wasn't even a contest. No, he played. You weren't even expecting any danger there. You were just thinking, oh, he's going to, you know, he's got the ball, yeah. he's going to play it up. And then he turns around. Conza and like, in, doesn't he? Great yep. pass to Conza. So put him mm-hmm. through. And Conza did something that a Villa forward hasn't done very well usually, <laughs> which is actually win the penalty. I mean, you, you say, oh, it's, it was Harry Kane-esque. I'm not saying he dived, but he knew exactly where to stand to make sure he got hit to get the yeah, penalty. There was always going to be contact there because the guy, he's obviously come out of the, the player's blind spot. Conza's kind of run around the back of him. It reminded me a little bit of the, I don't know if you remember the penalty that Grealish won against West Brom in the playoffs where their guy's not expecting him. He just sees him and tries to react quickly. And he thinks if there's any contact, it's going to be a penalty. Yeah. And there weren't too many complaints from their players. I, I didn't think, I think they knew it was. Fair play to Conza. I mean, uh, that was getting involved, yeah. sharp work. And uh, was, it was it? Yeah, there was VAR on that one as well, no doubt. Because uh, yeah, that, be. that was never going to get overturned Conza for an error. versus VAR. <laughs> yeah, and of course, no Louise from the penalty spot. You you always fancy him at the moment. Yeah, you do. You know, Sent the keeper the wrong way again, straight down the middle. And uh, at that point, you think, right, there's a third to be had here, and kill. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Game. I was a bit puzzled when they obviously checking in the background for the penalty McGinn had the ball and you know as a Villa fan that Louise is going to take it McGinn took the ball to basically take the pressure off Louise but Louise kind of just stood around the penalty box so it was obviously was going to take it I thought the idea is Louise just pretends he's just a not you know hangs out with the rest of the players and pretends he's uh you know he may he may not take it because then the idea is to take away the opposition players focusing on you to wind you up. But Louise just basically stood on the penalty box and it was like, well, that's a waste of time, McGinn. He's feeling confident. Yeah. <laughs> just give him the feeling ball. Feeling confident as he should. And you're thinking, it's not over yet, but it's looking good. But then Bowen, I mean, it's a bizarre deflection because it, he has you know a speculative shot and it's hit two Villa players to generate some kind of spin that just basically bends it round Martinez's outstretched hand. Well, it, it could have hit Dean and then Paul Torres, but it definitely the deflection of Torres is, is the is the one, the clincher, because Bowen's actually aiming for the other corner because you can see just yeah. as he hits it, Martinez is setting his feet to dive to his left and then the spin on it just to, puts it in the only place where Martinez couldn't have got it right in the, the opposite corner. Yeah, very frustrating for him. Because Villa had pretty much controlled most of the... It's a bit like watching England versus South Africa in that first half. It was yeah. controlled. <laughs> and like everything Very was controlled. almost like they wrote the script of the, of, of the game so far. And of course, this kind of crazy deflection wasn't in the script and then it suddenly changes the game. 
yeah, completely changed the game because the, the manner of the goal and the timing just five minutes after Villa went 2-0 up couldn't have been worse because as soon as that went in, West Ham did, they were on top. But a lot of it was because of um, something weird happened to Villa. They got really sloppy. They got a bit nervous. I mean, Louise... The tempo uh, dropped as well. I mean, when we got it broke into the final third, the the final pass was atrocious. Three or four times we, we could have caused them trouble. And the amount of under-hit passes, lazy, soft passes. I mean, Louise was guilt. Louise had a really shit 10 minutes after being the, the top Yeah, he man. did. Around the hour mark, he really let let it slip, and he put us, he kept us under pressure because his final ball was like lazy. And you know, Emery even said post match, he says it's you know praised his performance initially, saying you know credit to him. Firstly, he has to be demanding in everything he is doing. I'm very happy with him, but I think he can do better. There were some moments after he scored the two goals where we were trying to control a game, and I wasn't happy because he was too relaxed. That is exactly what I'm saying. Some of these under-hit passes and nonchalant passes when he, he dropped urgency and intensity. And that's a different mindset. You've got to keep that urgency. That's how, you know, that's the winning mentality. That's why, uh, you know, if you go to rugby, Kiwis and South Africa always triumph is because their mentality is just spot on from start yep. to finish. But luckily, you know, while West Ham were kind of getting up ahead of steam and they had a lot of corners back to back to back. And of course, Ward Prowse's delivery was bang on the money for all of them. I thought I thought, thought we did a good job in dealing with them under the high ball. And then we probably went up the other end and, and scored well, a great goal at the perfect time. Just before that, uh, let me add, West Ham, they saw we were panicking a little bit. When we, when we broke and we weren't taking advantage of any of our counters and then they took Suchek off because they, they smelt blood I think yeah and that's that's the same again as teams against Villa it's just when they open up yeah Suchek off and then Gudis came on and you thought oh they're going to go for us now and as you say that was their mistake <laughs> Because I think they were doing well uh, in, in the way they were going. I think they they were looking like the most likely to score the next goal, uh, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, they certainly will. And then you could see how the, the Watkins goal happened. It was just a, the ball broke in the middle and McGinn did very well to see it. And then he hits it through to Watkins, who does his Jeff Hurst impression. It was this carbon <laughs> copy of Jeff Hurst's last goal in the World Cup final. They think it's all over. Exactly. <laughs> Kenneth Wilson Holmes' commentary was the only thing that was missing as he, as he lashed it into the net. And again... You'd have to say instinctive finish. He scores that one after the one he missed. I mean, that's that's nearly an impossible finish when he, from where he starts his run to score. Yeah, I mean, goal. up in the hole, I think uh, Chris was the same as me. I, I I thought, oh no, don't go that side. And then when he just shot, I just saw side netting when it kind of rippled. And then I was like, oh shit, it's in. <laughs> yeah, it was the strangest thing. It, it was very surreal. Happens, but then you kind of go, oh, right, might as well celebrate then. Yeah. There's no chance that one's off. So it was, it was just a really might as sharp well get involved. Finish. Yeah, I'm getting the mixer now. And, and at that point, of course, it's game over. But we, we, you know, for sort of 10 minutes, West Ham did have us, you know, on the ropes a little bit and we, and we scored at the perfect time, really. And that obviously kills yeah, the game. And at then, that point, I was crying out for subs so to do something, yeah. uh, you know. And actually, when we the needed, subs. We needed freshening up. Yeah. And then when the subs did come, of course, the, the game probably suits both of them and the way they play. But they both did really well, I thought. I thought Tielemans was very neat and tidy in possession. Both of them involved in the in the fourth goal. You know, it's a really lovely move. Tielemans with a lovely little ball through to Bailey, sits the, sits the defender down and whips it in the top corner. It's a great goal. I think Tillemans and Bailey were, were literally perfect when they were on the pitch. <laughs> were the, they? Yeah. Neither of them misplaced the pass, did they? No. And were everything in the air and on the ground, it was they, they did really well. So you're referring to the fact that they, they're better players when we're ahead and comfortable? I think when there's... Not necessarily, well, in, maybe, yeah, but more just when there's space to play in. Yeah. They've got a bit more time on the ball, a little bit more space. West Ham aren't necessarily breathing on top of them and they haven't got to do so much of the dirty work. But when there's space to play, you know, Tielemans is a good player at doing that. Yeah. And obviously yeah. responded well to his little piece that was in the newspaper this week that you know, had previously suggested it all wasn't good. And he was like, well, he came on and did his job. Fair play to him. Yeah, I mean, Bailey, you know, he gets a lot of stick, but we've always said he's got end product. And in that respect... That means he's a valuable member of that match day squad. If he's starting on the bench, Absolutely. that's all well and good because the game is 90 minutes. And as we saw in this, when it got to around 60, you thought, ah, we, we, we need something else here because in the final third now, we, we're literally just passing it back to them. Yeah. Just giving it back to them straight away rather than, uh, you know, when we've got runners that are through, we're not taking advantage of it. And you, you're actually thinking, right, Bailey now would potentially uh, be a good move here because if they're pressing forward, 
then him on the counter will give him something to think about. I mean, uh, Emery said after the game, I mean, Emery knows there's a player there. He said he's going to be important when he plays like he did today and score goals. Hopefully he can do that in the same way. We know Bailey has potential. My challenge to him is for him to be consistent and give us his best performances like today. I am very happy. But I think a lot of good performances. I mean, they were just talking about the cameo men here. But they were all good to a man Cash, today. I can't. Cash, I'm upgrading him to Premier League Cash now. He was very yeah. good. Dina had a very good game as well, I thought. Con, um, Conza dealt with Antonio superbly. Because Cash is a lot, there's a lot more control to him now. Yeah. Yeah. Cash, I think he, he, picks, he picks his moments as well when he's going to go. Yeah. And he also seems to defend better against better players. I mean, he, he's, he's prone to being out of position against sort of like lesser players, but you've seen him against Matoma for Brighton and then Kudus when he came on, he's known for being tricky down the wing. He does like the sort of like the one-on-one challenge of somebody that good against him. Yeah. I thought Torres was quite quiet. Uh... He was he was just sort of comfortable on the ball. He, he sprayed it around quite nicely, but he, I think he, he, he allowed Konza to do the defending because West Ham played with a lone striker. Yeah. And he could sort of help Dina deal with Jared Bowen. Yeah, I've just remembered we've we forgot. You know, remember when Gerard talked about moments of magic? There was it was almost like it was almost like witchcraft taking place on the pitch when we got that free kick, and it was obviously a Nanny McPhee. <laughs> oh God, yeah, Nanny McPhee <laughs> masterclass. You were like, whoop, where's it going now? Whoop, wait, whoop, wait, whoop. <laughs> and I can't believe like you you know you look at like I don't know Sky highlights and they don't even have it in there. It's I don't know if they'd have it on Match of the Day, but that is worth looking at. It's, it's worth standing there and just beholding it. You know, for one more time. Mm. It was like synchronized swimming or something before the ball ends up at McGinn's feet to smash it wide. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember but what ha- actually happened off the top of my head, but there's the first three touches, you just don't do not expect it to happen. You expect, actually, it was in range for a good shot. It was a good opportunity. Yeah, you, you, you thought it was going to be Dina or Louise. Dina ends up running off the side of the wall, doesn't he? Diaby's sort of hanging around it as well. It ends up probably to the last person you think it's going to go to there. But it yeah. is a clever little move, but... Um, Anyway, the ball comes across and it's up to McGinn to have the shot. And he and he has it's a clean shot. He, he's got it on, but his actual shot shot wasn't uh, clean. And he just kind of left foot p rolls it. And it's almost like he got too excited because he was like, "Shit, I can't believe the ball's actually ended up at me." Yeah, yeah. It worked. <laughs> he was probably laughing when uh, it was explained to him. He said, "Yeah, I'm never going to end up on the end of this. You know, it's going to break hmm. down somewhere." Yeah. And there he was, and he probably just shot himself. He was like, "Oh fuck, the expectation here. Got to score now." It's like there was too much pressure on him. McGinn's preparing himself for a last ditch tackle to stop West Ham breaking away whenever the ball goes straight <laughs> to them. <laughs> Still, that the ball ends up at his feet. But yeah, it was a real anticlimax. But there was a bit of, I think, a generally appreciation that it almost worked, and that the, the crowd, certainly where around where I was sitting, it was like oh, fair play. You know, he was getting a lot of stick, Nanny McPhee, at the start, but now we can see the method of his madness. And one guy said, "Who else in the Premier League's doing this?" Fair. I, mean, I like the fact that we're trying to be creative. Yeah. Um, in general, yeah, we've seen lots of things we haven't seen. I mean, I hadn't mentioned it earlier, but there was a, two or three occasions where we actually played out from our own corner flag through the field, like right through the phases and ended up having a chance. And that's the sort of stuff that you think, well, that's the Emery, the Emery way really working like the model, the, the method, whatever you want to call it, his process. That's it in full full action we saw it in a few moments last year and that stuff's great I think he's uh, going to be very happy with that performance apart yeah, from I that so. sticky 60th minute onwards for about 10 which minutes which can happen but the fact that they killed the game off in such a clinical fashion in the last yeah. sort of 15 minutes is, 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 is a good sign as well where's my phone I mean you can tell something's happened when you're uh, getting messages from Spurs fans you, you haven't seen for about a year or two saying Watkins is amazing he's come on big time that lad and he and then this Villa side could win the league seriously. Wow! Wow! That's the Spurs fan. <laughs> <laughs> Got me thinking on the on the way home. Yeah, could we do a Leicester? Because you know Arsenal, they're not winning games like they were last season. Manchester City have already uh, dropped points away. Oh, well, sorry, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Let's rein it back. Phil sure you should have slapped me there. I should have. No, but- we're enjoying you being so positive, David. <laughs> right, give me a key stat. Well, there's a few of them again. Um, obviously, the headline one is Douglas Louise with his sixth goal in consecutive Premier League games has now surpassed the record previously held by Dwight York. This is the Premier League, obviously. Yeah. Era. Pre- 
Premier League era. Right for a midfielder. It's very good considering how good York was in '96 and that he was the striker. That was his job. But also from the fact that we always thought it was a bit of a deficiency that Louise didn't have goals in his game after seeing his first couple of games where he was hitting, well, he scored a couple uh, from like 30 yards and he thought, oh, great, we've got this in our locker. And then he just mm-hmm. vanished, didn't he, until uh, recently. And he takes yeah. a way better penalty than Dwight York used to. Yeah, yeah. Then this is the the eleventh win in a row now at home. Villa have now scored at least three goals in each of their opening four league games this season for the first time since nineteen twenty twenty one. Wow! And nineteen is the best point, stat. Nineteen is the best points tally since nineteen ninety eight from nine games. So that would have been well have been Gregory. Yeah, we're yeah. on the top of the table. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that our goal difference now? It's pretty good, despite getting tonked five one in the first game of the season. Yeah. Oh, we've had a five one defeat and a three nil. But yeah, we've won four nil. 4-1 and 6-1. Yeah. It's kind of a crazy yeah. period we've had. Plus 10 shows how entertaining we are. <laughs> Same goal difference as Spurs and Arsenal. If Watson's there, the, the darlings. We're yeah. right in the mix, Phil. Fancy Premier League top man? Same man that Sky gave man of the match to. Douglas Louise with 12 points. Watkins a close second with 9. Be interesting to see how the press now speak about Villa in terms of European credentials top four stroke five if the Champions League goes to five places I think it'd be disrespectful not to when you've disposed of Chelsea Brighton and West Ham but while we wait to see what the media says about Villa in terms of their credentials this season I think it's time for Media Muppets Right, Phil, what's in the trough? Well, this week it's been a year since Unai Emery replaced Stephen Gerrard, and that's made for a few decent pieces in the media media focusing on Emery, one of which was nicely shared by Villa's communications director, Tommy Jordan, to help everyone bypass the paywall of the Times newspaper. Are you allowed to do that? Good lad. (laughs) Who knows? It helped. This was an interview Emery did with um, Jonathan Northcott. He gave some sort of good pointers about his, his history and how Alex Ferguson influenced him as a young manager when they met in the the Champions League. He'd asked Ferguson why he dropped Wayne Rooney because he had set his team up to play against him and Ferguson just said it was to show Wayne Rooney who was boss. Um, But the bit I took out of of this was how Emery has been using sports films and documentaries to improve his communication after it was noticed as being like a weakness at Arsenal. With the players you're talking about? Yeah, with the players. So he's watched like the All or Nothing series, the the Man City one, the Arsenal one, the Spurs one. He's watched The Last Dance, the, the Netflix documentary Michael Jordan and a few Kobe Bryant films and interestingly he said he played one of the Kobe Bryant films to Villa after they'd lost three games in a row around February this year Why? What, what was the significance of that? Basically just to, to keep going I think it was just to sort of like to refocus and keep keep going, you know, strive for excellence it's just your, your sort of your, your buzzwords that you're yeah, and Kobe Bryant's sort of obsessive nature for repetition, yeah. repetition and hard work and yeah you know, just just drum it into yourself until we get it right, basically. The, the interview also mentioned the old uh, Martinez coming up for the, the yeah. corner incident, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And I thought this was really good because it showed that there's clearly no hard feelings or it's in the back of the mind. It's, it's something to look forward to in the future, hopefully, if, if it ever happens. Emery says that Martinez mentioned to him the, the Lazio keeper that scored a late equaliser in the Champions League going, boss, boss, what about the Lazio keeper? And Emery said he just had to remind Emery that this is once a year something like this happens but he said at the end of it maybe one day you will let him go up for a corner oh, can you imagine Martinez's I reaction? can't wait for that moment can oh. you imagine Martinez scoring a last minute goal at the whole end mm. even better conference final yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking when when would be the moment Emery does give the thumbs up I think if you're losing the conf- uh, Europa Conference like final or even the semi-final and it's like injury time and you got a corner, you, you're throwing everything at that. Yeah. You just know, though, that Emery and probably with Austin McPhee, if you're going to send your goalie up, they'll have some preordained set piece for it. Yeah. They'll, have their, 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 they'll have their Hail Mary play. If he says no to Martinez... Then I, you know, I would run on the pitch, get Martinez's kit, and then run up for the corner myself. <laughs> You're about the same height, to be fair. But yeah, no, it, it, he would let him if it was like emergency, emergency. Yeah. One other thing is special mention has to go to. You tell it was international week because it was quite special mention to the BBC and the Athletic for almost like fake, making a false idol out of Brighton's Roberto De Zerbi. BBC said he was the potential Guardiola replacement who was taking football to the next level. I mean, that's that's high praise. And then the Athletic was my favourite one. It was um, how the sole of the foot sparked a tactical revolution in football. Basically, they're, they're crediting De Zerbi with 
you see a centre back or a goalkeeper now because they're playing sweeper keeper and basically just putting his foot in the ball and drawing the opposition in before passing it around him. They're trying to credit the Zerbi for introducing this. I mean, what that Villa haven't been playing it like that for ages. This, I mean, it's quite funny that this is all on the back of a six-one thrashing by Villa. Yeah, it is. I mean, you can't wait for the the boys of the Athletic to see like old videos of Brazil 1970 or the way Franz Beckenbauer used to play. I mean, that's what they did. They just stopped the ball, waited for somebody to come near them, and then just either went round them or passed it round them. And yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is Franz Beckenbauer is like in terms of he was doing it, you know, the highest level in you know most public level in world. Cup and it, and it didn't really have that you'd think that would be a template a lot sooner especially in like you know English football where it took I mean I remember under Bobby Robson where there was a bit of a revolution Mark Wright the idea of getting a, more of a ball playing centre back in there and there was you know rumours of dressing room takeovers etc Beckenbauer was like you know 70s and you're thinking well and, and you're seeing how it's become so in vogue now to draw in the opposition and it's, it's strange that it's only like now that it's a big thing that all of a sudden yeah, but to actually break it down and give Deserby credit for players stopping it with the studs of their foot instead of stopping it with the side of their foot and like putting their foot in the ball. I mean, come yeah. on. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the guy. He's done a great job at Ryan, but he doesn't need all this sort of like smoke blew up his ass. It's, a, there's a, it's always extremes, isn't it? In uh, yeah. coverage and commentary on people if they're doing good or bad. And they like to do the hyperbole just to build people up even higher so they fall from a, a greater height. Right, just quickly, let's catch up with Emery's clipboard. I think, I don't know how long this uh, touch count Wesley and Hogan uh, will last. We might have to go back to field tilt and other things on Emery's <laughs> clipboard. Oh, thank God. Because they're being found out, these two now, as, as we probably thought uh, they would be. What's the score at the moment between you two? 6-2, I think. 6-2. Which combined is about as many touches as Hogan and Wesley seem to be getting at the moment. We, we were, I mean, we were shocked at the start of the season that Wesley and Hogan were actually starting for their respective teams and staying and, on the field. And they stayed on the field uh, <laughs> until the last couple of weeks. Uh, this week, weekend, Hogan got the nod from Wayne oh. Rooney. That's the first evidence that Wayne Rooney doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> Hogan had dropped out the team after the manager before, who actually knew what he was doing, decided... Yep. The yeah. most predictable defeat ever, that one, Blues losing <laughs> at Middlesbrough. Yeah, Middlesbrough won 1-0. Hogan started, played 69 minutes, managed to amass 11 touches in that Ooh. time. Which was 11 more than Wesley managed. Because <laughs> 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 he uh, didn't, didn't get off the bench uh, in Stokes' 2-1 win against Sunderland. Phil went for 12... Chris went wow. for 25, so Phil was one off 11. Wow, good effort. 7-2. Seven, seven, two. It's, it's very much Villa v Liverpool. It is. But it's just, not it gave yet. you a bit of glimmer, though. He's 5 and up. You brought it back to 5-2, and th- th- it was and just... Ross Barkley finished it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's cruel, this world. But uh, we'll, we'll give it one more go. We'll see what happens this week. So we won't bother about the midweek games. So we'll take the Saturday one. Blues away at Southampton. Stoke away at Middlesbrough. Can Stoke do any better than uh, what the Blues did against Middlesbrough? So, what are we saying, guys? 15. Okay, now, that's generous. <laughs> uh, what are you going for, sure? Do, 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 go, I think I have to. I think I have to go for nine. I have to go into single yes, figures. She's gone single wow. figures. Yes, <laughs> this is the This is the, the balls out, bold stride <laughs> forward that we wanted. Yeah, but I should be, I should be just keeping the scoreboard ticking over, shouldn't I? I shouldn't be going this ball. I don't need yeah, to. No, yeah, this, this, this is you keeping the scoreboard ticking over. This, this, this <laughs> island playing rugby, isn't it? It's like uh, it's really yeah, kicking for the it. corners. It doesn't work. They're trying to give the crowd what they want by you know none of this safe and cagey double figures bullshit. We're going single figures. I'm just trying to st- just stick it out for as long as I can and get a drop goal. Right. Well, we'll see what happens. Sorry to all our American listeners, by the way. I know you hate when we've talked about cricket and you're probably thoroughly enjoying us talking about rugby. Not. Yeah, but I mean, as Phil said in a in a WhatsApp message, that's enough egg chasing for another four years. Oh, yeah, for, yeah. for the next few years, yeah. There won't be any more mention of... Uh, we, don't, we don't talk about Six Nations or anything like that. Just... Just once we get past the quarterfinals, we start to talk <laughs> about rugby. Once Ireland are out. <laughs> once we put our big boy pants on. Yeah, once the big boys come out. If you if you don't know anything about rugby, Google it. You're not missing much. <laughs> Ireland have got into the quarterfinals of the World Cup eight times and they've lost them all. 
I feel sorry. And this for was the, the golden generation. Yes. All right. All right. I was right. in Ireland for the game as well. <laughs> I was drinking Guinness as uh, Kiwis uh, ran them through. <laughs> Should we carry on talking about Ireland? No, Drake? I don't think so. It's... I mean, <laughs> as as the commentator said on the uh, South Africa France uh, game, when when that game was mentioned, he goes, "Don't talk about the war." <laughs> <laughs> How many golden generations are they going to go through now? I mean, that's what, eight times? That's 32 years? Yes, great. But Villa, that's oh. there's a team on the ascendancy for world domination. They're going to be building a European empire, them, hopefully against Elkmar, but I think this is tricky. This is a way game. Really difficult game. They're, they're flying at the moment. They're flying. They're like they the form team. They went 3-0 yeah, at the weekend, there. and I've got a feeling Emery's going to be resting. We'll see. This that's the uh, the interesting thing is I think because we've got Luton next. No disrespect to Luton, but it's not like right. We need to save everybody for Luton. I think you go strong at Altmar. I think Altmar are better than Luton. Put it that way. And you probably go three at the back. Actually, I think you probably bring another centre back in. You maybe bring Longley in, and you go three at the back, and you sort of like some of the out the lineups we saw in pre-season where you'd be very, very solid at the back. Well, I want Torres to play. That's that's yeah. how I'll know if Emery's taking it serious or not. Torres has to play for me. Yeah, I think they've all got to. I right. I don't think you can afford to make changes. There will be a Europa Vision previewing that game. Uh, just put one out, actually, and there'll be another one out. So two Europa Visions in quick succession. Also coming out this week for Mums members is... Uh, an off-the-record show where I discuss the latest uh, Villa fan advisory board meeting. There was actually one this week, an informal one where you kind of alternate between formal and informal. Informal is, uh, you know, just like an off-the-record chat just to go through various things or anything that needs clearing up. And uh, there was a few bits and pieces, but uh, I'll talk about them in the first instance on that show. As a My Old Man Said member, you also get access to all of these shows uh, ad-free as well as the uh, extra shows. And the big cherry on top is, of course, Match Club membership. And we will be meeting up for the AZ Alkmaar game on Thursday for a uh, live Match Club session. So if you want to get involved in that, then do join us as a My Old Man Said member. Just go to myoldmansaid.com and click on the members link for more information on how to join us. Oh, also a uh, big shout out to uh, Ray Quigley for joining us as a member in the past week. Welcome aboard. So next time we speak on the main show, oh, there'll be lots to talk about. It will be a busy we week. We will know just that one game will, if we win that, then we're in the box seat. This is against Elkmar. If we don't, then we know it's going to be a messy uh, situation, this uh, Europa Conference League. But if we back up this West Ham win against Luton, you might start seeing Aston Villa in the top four. So until the glorious sight of Villa, Touchwood, in the top four of the table, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans